Second one, really precious to my heart, is that, that we will be able to have heard, not just have listened to, but have heard our spouse's heart. Maybe just one thing. We can go away from this evening having heard one thing that was in our spouse's heart. And the third thing I'm trusting God for is a real willingness and a courage, because it will take courage, to make the adjustments that is needed for us to have marriages that will flourish. Let me pray. Father, thank you that covenant is a gift from you. Thank you, Lord, that tonight we can rest in the fact that you have brought us together, Lord, and that your plan for us is good. Thank you, Lord, for the journey full of salt and your upheaval, Lord, and difficult things. Thank you that we can grow together, Lord, as we grow together, um, as we seek your face, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, just publicly tonight for a spouse, Lord, under whose love and care I found so much healing as an adult woman. I thank you, God, for a godly man, Lord, under whose godly leadership I could really grow. And my heart tonight is, Lord, to impart just a bit of what you've done in our life, in our marriage, Lord, to all these couples here. Amen. I want to commend you for taking time out, for really sacrificing and organizing and sorting the kids. Because what you are saying by pitching up is not going to learn from a couple, from, from people. You are saying that we are prioritizing covenant. And therefore, God can disappoint. You can, you, you can be sure tonight you'll go home changed and equipped and yeah, encouraged. Thanks, love. You're going to hear a little bit more from Nikki a little bit later. In the last session, we'll, uh, we'll split up just into guys and girls. So just to give you an opportunity for the guys to just ask some questions of me and the, the ladies ask some questions of, uh, of Nikki. But as Nikki said, just by the way, somebody going to count me down. Otherwise, I can keep you here for, for a long time. So uh, somebody can just keep an eye on the, on the time for us for, for the session, because I think we've started a little bit, a little bit later. Um, so as Nikki has said, we've been married now for 18 years. It's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous joy to do life with my, with my best friend. And uh, we, we met each other when we were first year, second year uh, Bible school. It's a nice sake, baby. Sorry, Elia. Practical side of life. Yes, yeah. Doing life together. Finding keys together. All the time, right? Yeah. Normally I lose the keys, Nikki finds them. She finds everything in her house, right? If, if anybody needs anything, my wife remembers where it is. Um, so we've tried all sorts of things over these last 18 years to help me not forget things, right? From a big bag to a small bag to all sorts of bag in a bag. I've just come to the conclusion it's like a bag with just one pocket in it. You know what I mean? That's going to work. But if it's a little bag with three or four that's, even that is confusing to me. So uh, I'm thankful to my wife. She really is my, uh, my helper in so many different ways. Uh, it's made my life uh, so much better. I'm a, I'm a better person be, because of her. And uh, last weekend, Nikki had a, a ladies' retreat in, in Somerset West. And I was, uh, I was alone with the kids. And I just once again realized why it's important to have my, to have my wife uh, with me. Uh, and thankful for the blessing of having kids, but uh, man, we rejoiced, all of us rejoiced uh, when, Nikki, when Nikki came back. Um, when Diana was just two days, it was just two days. Um, so when, when we were thinking about tonight and just thinking about uh, this evening and having all of you guys here as couples, uh, 
I must admit, I sort of initially thought, wow, we're going to be maybe at the office and, and have like 20 people there and, and so forth. And then I so like, whoa, there's like lots of people that are, that are coming. And clearly there is a, there's a desire to, to uh, um, enrich our marriages, as, this, as the slide says. There's a desire to, to grow as couples. And I think that's brilliant. Uh, I think almost in a certain way, irrespective of what happens here tonight, you guys are speeching, you guys are demonstrating to, to the Lord, demonstrating to the devil. I, I, I can think back to my own life. Sometimes just arriving at a place where you can receive input is a victory already. Because a lot of things happen between you hearing about the, the date, uh, making the, the decision to come, and then actually pitching. A lot of things happen in that space in between. So I just want to encourage some of you guys that you guys have made it to tonight, all right? So you are, you are victors already. So I know for some of us it's been an easy decision, an easy journey to get here. And for some of us, it's been a little bit more difficult. Um, and when I was thinking about tonight, I was praying. And, you know, one of the first things that came to my mind when I was thinking about Johannesburg, I'm trying to visualize you guys and, and who will be here and a lot of familiar faces and a lot of faces that I, I don't know and haven't had the privilege of meeting yet. I was, I was thinking about the city, and I was thinking about, about Johannesburg and what makes Johannesburg Johannesburg, and obviously many, many things. But I think amongst others, what makes the city so special is that there's this, there's this commitment here in Johannesburg to, to, um, to, to passion. There's a commitment in the city to ambition. I mean, this is an ambitious city. People who live here in Johannesburg, who live in Gauteng, uh, normally aren't your can I put it now, typically aren't lazy people, right? That you are here with a mission. The city requires you to be on a mission. You know that if you're not on a mission, if you're not vigilant, if you're not focused, then the city is probably going to do some stuff to you that uh, it's not going to be that pleasant, right? You have to be focused. You are ambitious. You're driven. Um, Johannesburg is a trend-setting city in our nation and in Africa. And, and I was thinking about this, this ambition. I was thinking about passion, and I was thinking about how this, the city of Johannesburg uh, captures so much, I believe, of, of what God really wants us to bring to our marriages, because I don't know, maybe we, we can have a quick look at how many of you guys are born and bred Johannesburgers and Pretorianers, and this is where you have lived, just like we've got to see you good people, right? You're awesome. Yeah, 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 you can be proud. You can put it up nice and high. <laughs> All right, born and bred. All right, so they, yeah, yeah. Own it, all right? You guys are awesome, all right? And how many have come from the outside? And you were, yeah, all right. So a lot of guys coming from other parts um, of the country. How many came because you followed a loved one? Ah, quite a, ah more than I thought. All right, so quite a few of you guys moved here because your, your loved one to, to be or the person that you married, that they were here already. How many of you moved here because of a job opportunity? All right, a significant number of us as well, right? So, so, so either it was the heart of your, your spouse that you were pursuing that brought you here, or it was the job that brought you here. But the, the point of the matter is that most of us in Johannesburg and Pretoria, we understand this thing about being on a mission, all right? Ambitious people, people who are passionate, people who know that typically if you're living down in Cape Town, things are so easy down there for the most part, all right? You, you want to go 
walk in the mountain, it's 10 minutes away. Go to the beach, it's seven minutes away. You go wherever, it's like seven minutes away from everything. All right, here you've got to be focused. You've got to plan. If you want to go cycling, you've got to drive to the cradle of I don't know what to get there. Go and cycle there. Find a park to go and run there. You've got to be focused. You've got to be on a mission. And I think one of the things that blessed us about this Johannesburg community, for you, those of you guys who don't know, so we had the privilege of pastoring here for three years, four, I think three, yeah, three and a bit, and it was an amazing time, and this environment in Gauteng actually spoiled us in terms of the quality of relationships. Um, when we moved back down to Cape Town, we, we understood what we had here, because the environment both in terms of corporate and even in terms of the amount of effort you have to go through just to find yourself in a relaxing environment, it pushes you towards community in a way that many of the other uh, uh, cities in our country that where things are a little bit more comfortable, you don't experience that. In, in Cape Town, Western Cape, you actually have to work quite hard to find entrance into, into community. Whereas here, if somebody says, you know, we would love to buy, you make a date and you do it. You know, it's like even it means you drive 40 minutes to, to get to someone after work. That's what you do. Like 40 minutes there in Cape Town is it's like traveling to Worcester, man. And you only do that like with a month's uh, uh, planning in, ad, in advance. But here's something about this whole city, this whole environment. You know, you don't have time to waste. And so if you're going to do it, you're going to spend it with quality people. You're going to spend it with people you want to spend it with. And you're going to make sure that it, that it happens. And so this, this ambition, this passion... Um, driving here, billboards, just massive billboards, you know, huge things. Uh, you can see from miles, huge buildings, the F&B headquarters, all sorts of massive buildings. And the girls ask us, so like, why don't we have these things down in Cape Town? It's big, everything is big. There's this big billboard with Superman on and just like everything is big in Joburg, right? And, and guys drive fast, right? I'd forgotten, you know, just like cruising, fast lane, 130, 140, like, you've got to be, I mean, move over, you know, right? We, we, we're, on our, we're on our way. And, and just driving these roads, so many memories came flooding back about how much time I spent on these roads, how much of Johannesburg life, I'm sure it has changed now, significantly, probably, but how much of doing life in Johannesburg, how much of living with a passion, um, which you know, some dictionaries just define as a strong and barely controllable emotion. To, to, be, to be passionate about something, to bring everything that you have to your work, to bring everything you have to your CrossFit, to whatever it is that you do, no half measures. To be ambitious, to have a strong desire to achieve something. That's what I think of when I think of Gautengers. I think of people with passion. I think of people with ambition. I think of people who are changing the world, people who are on a mission. We are receiving a lot of you guys down in, in, in Somerset West and Hermanus. A lot of you oaks are moving down. And you're bringing that same passion there as well in changing the environment for the, for the better. Um, and so I was thinking about this, and I, and I, was, and I was thinking, and just asking myself a question. You know, if, if we were to live with the same kind of ambition and passion that we exhibit towards our, our, our work and, you know, the continuous career development, the the, the energy and the time that we invest in making sure that we're the best engineers, the, the best graphic designers, the best accountants, whatever it is we find ourselves in, if we were to take some of that ambition, you know, some of, some of that passion, and if, if we were to channel that and bring that to our marriages, I wonder what that would look like. 
I wonder if, if it could be possible that, that we could have within our churches and within our church environment a community of people who would be known for people who are ambitious and passionate about marriage. That there could be a, a, a culture that could develop where we could actually have the, the, the passion and the joy of our marriage be the thing that we prioritize, that, that we would move, like many of us have moved from one city to Johannesburg because of a career opportunity, that we would make such drastic moves around our marriages. Are you, are you with me? That, that, that if coming to Johannesburg was a career move for some of us, and we know that it is here in Joburg that I'll be able to achieve my career goals, it's here where the opportunity is, that we would bring some of that determination, some of that focus to our, our marriages as well. And, and as I was thinking about this passion, I was thinking about this ambition, I realized how many of us are spending hours upon the roads in, in Johannesburg. And, and the beauty of the roads, of course, are that they take us to where we need to be, but there are also a whole lot of these amazing intersections that you have here in Joburg. These, um, these roads that converge, that come together, and I still have nightmares of Kalulis Interchange. Just that word, Kalulis Interchange, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, there's something that happens there, and, and often coming from Pretoria and to Johannesburg would get lost, and the M1 and the N1 sounds the same, but it's not the same thing. You, know, you take the wrong turn if you end up somewhere completely different. And, and you have to be careful when you approach intersections. You have to be careful when you approach things that converge upon each other. And, and as I was thinking about this, this, this sort of the scenario of how do we handle intersections? How do we handle things that converge? Because our life here in Joburg, I could say I think it might have changed, but we spend a significant amount of living out this passion, living out this ambition on the roads. The roads take us certain places. And when we think about the passion of life, we think about the passion of marriage, we also have this thing that God called covenant, right? This, and so when we think about this, um, these intersections, and I, I'm sure all of you guys have your favorite intersections where you're just like, yeah, I can't wait to get onto William Nickel, you know, just like... One doesn't just take the William Nickel off-ramp. That was uh, like a, a meme that was, came out a long time. One doesn't just take the William Nickel off-ramp. It's littered with orgs and I don't know whatever else. You know? it's, but there's certain intersections. You don't just take it as if it's just a walk in the park. You know, some, of, some of the signs that we missed down in Cape Town, he's just like, I think you had them here in Joburg. I don't know if it's still around. Um, what is it? Not high-risk area. What do they call it? Hijack hotspot. You're like, hijack hotspot. I mean, you've got to be vigilant. There are some hijack hotspots on this journey of covenant as well. There are some off-ramps that you have to approach very carefully. There are some intersections that you have to approach very carefully. Because when you head towards an intersection, if, if you continue at the same speed like you did when there was no intersection, then you know, a lot of interesting things can happen. You, you, you hopefully stay the course and you take the turns and everything and you don't take the wrong off-ramp and you get to where you want to be. Or you can come around the corner and you have to slow down because there's a truck that's overturned or there's whatever that has happened and so you, you come to a bit of a standstill. You've got to slow down and you crawl and you start making phone calls and you pray in the Spirit and you do all sorts of things to have to pass the time. Um, or if you're not careful and you come into the thing too fast, you can crash. 
Aaron Simon, when we talk about intersections and we talk about the life of covenant that God has called us to live, it's important for me tonight that we consider some of these intersections and that each one of us will really just ask ourselves the question, the pace at which we are going. When we are approaching these things, do we maybe have to make an adjustment? And he spoke about, about um, lockdown that has forced us to slow down. And that has happened on a physical level. But I think I shared with the guys this morning, many of us can testify to the fact that just because there were some physical changes, it didn't necessarily mean that, that all of us entered into that place of, man, this connectedness is precious. This is amazing. I, you know, we should have done this a long time ago already. All sorts of other things start popping up there. And, and we need to think about how are we navigating through these intersections, through these changes right now in our lives. And I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to chat to each other a little bit about that. But our, our marriage, our calling is a sacred calling. Right? So if we think about ambition, we think about passion, we, you think about sort of the top of the career ladder that you can climb to get right to the top. God has given us the toppest, there's no such word I know, but the toppest of, 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 of rungs that you can get to in life is this thing called covenant. There's, there's nothing higher that we can get to in terms of what God has given human beings, in terms of a taste of heaven. And there's nothing else that can manifest uh, something about God's heart as the covenant of marriage can. Nothing else. There are many pictures God uses to describe His love for us. You know, He's the gardener and we are His garden. Uh, he's the shepherd, we are His sheep. All of those, those pictures. But the one that carries the most weight is this, this picture of us as two imperfect people, as Henry said, coming together and then reflecting something of the invisible love of God. Something that's intangible, something that you cannot see. And God gives two people finite people, fallible people. He gives them the sacred privilege, the, the job description, the, the, the corner office with a view. He gives that to them and he says, here is the top position in, in, my, in my kingdom. It's not being the head pastor. It's not being the, the, the most influential entrepreneur. It is the covenant of marriage. That's the top position that I've reserved for you as, as human beings through which you can manifest something of my love. And so we call that a sacred calling to make the invisible love of Jesus for his church visible to the world. In such a way that, that people, when they, like when you drive on the road, you like, somebody drives past you, you're like, whoa, you know, that's a cool car, you know, or you're like, Whoa, I'm glad I got out of the way. You know, there's, there's a reaction. There's, there's something that happens to those who see how you drive. That we should live in such a way that people around us should say, Wow, Jesus loves me that much? That's a privilege that God gives us. That, that I'm able to love Nikki in such a way and receive her love in such a way that those that don't have a frame of reference for God's love in my Kids who need to see God's love in action will be able to look at the way I love her and say, wow, that's how Jesus loves me? That's the sacredness of the calling God has given us. It's that we, that we are given this lifelong privilege of manifesting Jesus' love to someone else. Nobody else can do it in the way that I can do towards Nikki and that Nikki can do towards me. And that's the... And that's the the, the covenant that God has given us. So this covenant is, is given to us so we can love each other freely. 
all right, without having to be, to be paid to do it, uh, having to be manipulated into doing it. We can love each other freely, faithfully, fruitfully, and forever. For those of you guys who love alliteration. Freely, faithfully, fruitfully, and forever. That's, that's the covenant that God holds before us. And he says that I, I want you to bring your ambition, all right, the thing that drives you. That thing that drives you, that, that causes you to think when you sit down at the beginning of the year and you plan ahead, that you would bring your ambition to your marriage and say that my burning ambition in my life is to love this person next to me freely, faithfully, fruitfully, and forever. That's God's calling. That's the, and, and, and we all are there. And we all have tasted those moments. And I think most of us, when we have stood at the, at the altar and we said, I do, we said yes to this. Amen. This is what I mean. No, very few of us said yes and were drawn to the other person because you saw the imperfections. You saw all the mistakes. You saw all of those things. And you were just like, I cannot wait to get in there. I cannot wait to just like navigate through all of those things, through the snoring, through the, all the stuff and you know, his forgetfulness and, and all of this. Man, that just makes me so excited. I mean, you were standing there and you were like, wow. You know, I can't wait to spend my life with this person. There, there, was, there was something that drew you to them. You know, when we do marriage prep, it's amazing how often people would typically sit there and we do the, you guys who do the marriage prep, you get to the, to the conflict section, you know, and people look at you like you've fallen on your head. What are you talking about? Conflict. We don't have conflict. I mean, I just think the thought and she knows it. You know, so, I mean, uh, we feel so sorry for you guys that you have conflict. So we tell them their stories, and I can see the pity in their eyes. They're just like, we're so sorry that your love, you know, isn't like ours. We just, you know. And then you do the marriage enrichment, and you're like, please just talk to us about conflict. You know, just how do we, how do we, how do, we do this? And, and it's in that, in that, in those imperfections that, that the sacredness of the covenant comes into play into those moments when things don't turn out the way that we thought they might. And this, this covenant life, this thing that we said yes to, this calling to, to show other people how much God loves them, this, this calling has to, that I do, that I will, that your people will be my people, your God will be my God, where you go, I will go, where you stay, I will stay through sickness and health, good times and bad times, that, that, that life, has to be lived out on the, on the road. You have to get in your car, you've got to drop off the kids. You've got to get in your car, you've got to go to work. If you get out of your bed and you go to your Zoom, well, there's still decisions that need to be made. It has to be lived out. None of us live in our wedding apparel for, forever. You've got to take that stuff off. Nick and I, was, was, uh, we got married in Paul. It was a hot day, and it was just so much fun afterwards. We went to McDonald's with our wedding clothes on, and, and got a got a lacquer, a, what do we, Fanta float or something. It was just like, it was just amazing, because our folks ate all our wedding cake. We were catering with people. When we came back to the table, the, the wedding cake was was gone. So, so we spoiled ourselves afterwards. Went to McDonald's. It was it was amazing. Just with the wedding <laughs> wedding clothes on. But there comes a time when, when you, ha- you have to go back to, to work. You have to go back to life, and, and then you've got to navigate some intersections. You've got to navigate a few, a few things. And, and my desire this, this evening is that, that we will take some, some time out just to take a little bit of stock 
um, to talk about the intersections that have, that have had an influence upon our journey. You know, uh, you were heading towards, I want to love you freely. You were heading towards, I want to love you faithfully. You were heading towards, I want to love you fruitfully. And you were heading towards, I want to love you forever. And it was just like, boom, here we go. The car is packed, fuel is in, we've got some putt course, and we're ready. You know? here, we, here we go. It's going to be an amazing drive, like the advertisements always show you on TV, right? Always smiling in the new car, just the most amazing thing. Have Get the Volvo and all your problems are solved, you know, or whatever. They always sell that amazing picture. But now you, you get to these intersections, and there are many intersections, and we don't have time to go through all of them tonight. But I want to highlight three for you, and I want to ask you to talk about this in a couple of moments. And the first one, the first sort of intersection that, that, that flows together into this covenant highway is, is the, it's the pace of life intersection. In, in, in other words, that life has to be, has to be lived, and, and there are organizations that you work for, there are ministries that you volunteer in, uh, there are businesses that you are running or that you have started, you're part of. There are departments that, that you are heading up or you've just entered into the department. And there are family routines that you have to, to navigate. You have to decide who's going to drop off the kids. You just have one car, maybe, who's going to drop off the kids or pick up the kids. You have to decide when that's going to happen. Uh, are you going to homeschool the kids? Are the kids going to go to school? Are they going to go to English school, Afrikaans school? You've got to talk about all of those things. And, and typically the moment in the marriage prep where you're just automatically on the same wavelength, you're just in total agreement and all of those things all the time, that's sort of like not really the way. I know there are exceptions, all right? I know some of you guys experience the exceptions. But for the most part, there's talking that needs to be done around these things. And, and sometimes what happens, the sacred calling to love this other person, to love this person passionately and to have this person's well-being as my foremost ambition, you, you, you come to the pace of life. But hey, we're part of a lot of other things as well. And I'm part of this organization, and this organization is just starting out, and this organization's mission statement is to change the, the, the lives of the poor around us, and this is a noble thing, and I've got, I'm just starting out, and I've got to have meetings with my, my fellow directors, and I've got to see people and all of that. And, and, and this is exciting. I'm seeing fruit. I chatted to someone the other day, so I'm stealing some of his thoughts. Where is he? Look at me if you hear. They are sitting there at the back. Um, this, it's, it's exciting. There are things that are, that are happening, and we all know those things when you know, there's this energy. You're being fed by this energy. It's amazing. You get results and all of that. And at the same time, there is still this covenant. There's still this person that needs to be priority. There's still this person who needs to know that he or she is the most important person in your life. And the pace that this organization is setting for your life, the pace that this new church plant is setting or this new band, uh, the song that we are working on or this new thing that we are doing and so amazing and people are getting saved and people are getting delivered and it's just so exciting to be part of this. There is still someone back home that needs to be loved and who needs to know that he or she is the most important thing. This new business that needs to be started out in the meetings with all the different stakeholders and the financing that have to be arranged in the mental space that it's taking up to think, how am I going to do this? There's someone else who wants to know that she's in the forefront of your thoughts and when she talks to you, you remember what she's saying to you and that you are present in the moment. That's an intersection that demands of you to decide, am I going to take this space? Am I going to go down this, this space, this route? And how fast am I going to go down that route? And so, 
It's something we need to talk about and just ask ourselves the question, the pace that the things outside of our marriage is dictating to us. Are we happy with the influence that that pace is having on our marriage? Are we happy with the influence that's having? Because the ideal is that we would live from the covenant out. And that our commitment to each other and our ambition and our passion towards one another will dictate the pace of life. And the pace of life will not dictate to us the quality of our covenant. But if we're not careful and we just continue driving and driving and driving, what starts happening is that the externals start dictating to us. And our passion gets diverted from each other to these other things which are good things, which are godly things, and which are deserving of our passion and deserving of our ambition, but not deserving of our highest passion and our highest ambition. Okay. The second thing there are the commitments. Because you, you say, I do to this one person, but then you also say a lot of other yeses to a lot of other people. Eh? It's not like it's just the two of you living in the Garden of Eden. You say yes to colleagues, you say yes to bosses, you say yes to pastors, you say yes to kids, you say yes to, to coaches, you say yes to church members. There are a lot of other yeses that are playing into your yes that you said at the, at the altar. And we need to talk to each other, are we happy with the yeses that we have made to the externals and how that's impacting the yes we made at the pulpit? Am I happy with the things that I've said yes to, to my colleagues and to my boss and to the pastor, am I happy with how that's influencing my highest ambition, my highest passion, what should be my highest passion, my highest ambition? And then the third interchange there that I think it's worthwhile us talking about is I'm still me as well. I still have passions and I have hobbies and I have things that I... I, I, I need to express, I, I need to have my me time, I need to spend my time jogging, I need to spend my time drawing, you know, in my case, or reading, I, all of those things, because I'm still me. But, but is my heart's passion, my hobbies, is that my greatest ambition and my greatest passion? And then how is that impacting my yes that I said at the pulpit? All of us would agree in theory that, yes, my marriage would be my highest ambition and my highest passion. All of us are there. We don't have problems with that. The problem is very rarely in the theory. It's in the living. And what we want to do is just to invite the Lord Jesus into that space, just for us to have a, just to have a conversation. Right? And so what we want to do tonight is for us to remember when we chat with each other, right, the idea is not, for us to solve everything here. All I'm trusting God for is we will have a conversation that we will continue as we continue on this, on this journey. All right? And so I want you really just to ask your, your partner, ask your spouse whether the way, put it this way, is there anything that you can do with regards to the pace of life, with regards to the commitments, and with regards to the way you're pursuing the passions of your heart? Is there anything that you can do to change the, the pace? Right? Is there anything that you feel that you guys collectively can work on? So we talk about we, right? We're not talking here about you should be doing this, so please stay away from, you know, you are doing this, you are doing that. That's not the point, right? We are one, amen? 
We are one, and so we're part of the problem, and we are part of the solution. Amen? So when we talk to each other as couples, it's important to just establish the... Am I in the red? Okay, just to get my attention. <laughs> I was wondering, oh, that thing is red. What does it mean? Um, some of you might see some red lights tonight. You, you, need, you need to stop. You need to evaluate. I just want to put up an orange light. By the way, orange lights here don't necessarily mean slow down, eh? It's just like, go as fast as you can because the guy behind you is also speeding up. So I've, I've forgotten that. So we were today coming. I'm like, Nikki, I said, Nikki, Nikki, my love, what's going on here? What are these people doing? You know, it's like, so now you've got to go. Like, everybody's going, so you've got to go. Um, but let's talk to each other. Let's spend five minutes, all right? Just chatting to each other about, is there something flowing out of lockdown or where we are right now, when we look at those different components, you can have some, some more there about the pace of life, about the commitments that we have made, about the way that we are pursuing the passions of our hearts. Is there a, a, a space for us where we maybe need to slow down, we need, maybe need to walk away from, maybe need to change direction? Right? So, so for Nikki and myself, the Lord has spoken to us about the pace right, that we're walking at, um, Having a local congregation, having the biggest show for our family that we're looking after as well. And so we had to make some changes in terms of the people that we surround ourselves with. We're taking a sabbatical at the end of the year. We're going to take three months of working some rhythms and habits into, into our lives because we still want to be doing this for a long time. Right? And so the question I've asked the guys this morning as well is, if you look at that, are you comfortable that if you continue doing what you're doing now, just in those three intersections, just those three, all right, just... It's much more. Pace of life, commitments to other people, and the passions of your heart. Are you comfortable that you will be happy five years down the line, ten years down the line, doing the things that you are doing now? And if not, could there be one or two things that you can change about that? Okay. Go for it. So, you talk to your partner, you, go, you don't go to somebody else, right? It's your marriage. <laughs> you don't say, ah, that message was for you, and it was preaching at you. No, 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 no. Chat with each other. Like Annie said, it's a safe space, all right? So we talk about we. We don't accuse each other. This is just a lack of space where we can have a chat and give you some, some food for, for thought. All right? So there's a lot of space. If you guys want to move your chairs around a bit, then you're welcome to, to do that as well. Hi, everyone. Even though it was a short amount of time that we can spend um, just focusing on this type of thing, I really think it is valuable to get into sort of a habit to stand still at these things. Um, I just want to share as a bit of encouragement from our life that, uh, well, when my children were very small, I did not really encourage my husband or really back him uh, in terms of a lot of me time for him. I was always very tired and inundated with just running the house and holding down the job and being the, the pastor's wife. So I always wanted me time and thought I just needed a break from all of this. So I didn't really encourage him to go jogging or get creative and take out time to sketch and do things that he enjoyed. Not that I said, no, you can't, but, but the point is now if my kids are in high school and, and senior phase of primary school, it's a different phase of our life. And I now do encourage him, go run three times a week, baby. Just get out there and, and do stuff that feel you. So my encouragement really is that this conversation is not a once-off. Have it often, have it 
more often than not, depending on the phase of your marriage, things change. Don't think if you have to sacrifice now, it's a forever sacrifice. Give it up now in a way, God will give it back to you. Um, and that, and that, uh, the inverse is also true. So just as an encouragement, speak often, speak regularly, um, evaluate the phases of your marriage or um, you know, the ages of your children. And God is just that faithful. If we, if we look away from ourselves in an area of our life, God just comes and he just gives abundantly back. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, what's been amazing for me this last um, a little while, just as, as I've been running and spending some more time by myself, was actually the fact that Nikki backs me in doing it. And it's, it's tremendous. I, I don't actually feel that I'm stealing time from her. She actually encourages me to go. You know, and having her as my wife, believing in me and encouraging me to go and sort of going with me through the disappointments if I get injured, you know, stuff that make my girls and just encouraging me to continue to go, that's been incredible. But whereas when the kids were smaller, like Nikki says, our, our circumstances were different. She was stuck on the N14 or what's that thing that off-ramp there? Yeah. I don't know. If, yeah, many a, many a N, stuck on many a N um, very often. And then it would actually be the epitome of selfishness on my side to say that, you know, like, this is my right. I need to do this. Uh, when she's the one that is barely coping at home and I get home, now I still want to go off and, and, uh, and run. So it was a sacrifice that I, that I had to make, um, but I, I made it joyfully because I could relieve her and I could actually give her some space just to take a shower, take a shower without somebody wanting to go into the shower with her and just get the bathroom, you know. Um, and, and the beautiful thing is in covenant, Outside of covenant, what would feel like a sacrifice, inside of covenant is a joy. You know, because I, this is what I signed up for. I signed up for making her know and understand that her needs will always be my top priority. Um, but it is something that we had to grow into as well. And, and the phases of our children's lives, the phase of the church, all of those things played a role in that. But it's a conversation that that um, we, we need to have regularly. And I was just thinking about it, you know, when we talk about ambition and we talk about passion, uh, most of us find ourselves in, in a corporate environment where we understand that you really do need to take minutes of your important meetings for follow-up sake and for accountability sake. And a lot of us, we have, we have crucial life-changing conversations with our spouses and I think a good habit that I try to get into is actually to make notes as a man because my brain doesn't work like Nikki's that remembers everything. You know, she never forgets anything. Uh, things become blurry in my mind. When do we say what? You know, what? You know, so for me, just it actually helps me just because it conveys something to her. You know, that it's important enough for me to want to remember, even though remembering is a challenge for me that I would write something down like I would at work. Because why? Because it's important for me at work to remember things to be effective. And if I do that there, I don't do it with her. It conveys to her that my highest ambition and passion isn't actually with her. It's more important for me to listen to somebody that I counsel and to follow up with that person, remember that person's name, remember what's important to that person and what it is to remember what she says to me. Um, so maybe just a practical tip for some of us is actually to approach these conversations, not as a heaviness, because once again, if your passion and your ambition is there, it's a joy. It's something that you, that you want to do. 
but to, to follow up these conversations with actually follow, follow it up. Um, so, yeah, it's just been amazing to, to see how, how we've been able to navigate through that. And all of these things, they change. I remember one of the, probably the, uh, made this mistake right at the beginning, Nikki and I had a date scheduled for an evening. I was, I was at work, and then somebody came in to, to see a pastor who wasn't there, and then someone asked me, can I just see this person quickly, all right? And... You know, it's never just quickly. <laughs> and I knew, looking at my watch, man, she's going to come and pick me up. We need to go to this restaurant. It was still in Stellenbosch. Um, and we had this afternoon planned. And so I see this person for 40 minutes. She waits for me in the car, picks me up. We go to the restaurant. The thing is closed. You know, it was like, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, but I did that under pressure. And I didn't stop to consider the impact that this will have upon us, you know, and so what I had to learn was to slow down, it's still a journey for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting it right all the time, it's still a journey for me to just slow and think about what's the impact that my years here that I'm giving to this person is going to have on, on, on our relationship, and so my encouragement for us really tonight is just, is, is slow down to have the conversation, all right, slow, it's, it's not sustainable to drive it on 40 kilometers all the time, when we, do these, uh, when we do these things. So there's this quote um, that Peter Scazzaro uses in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. I'm learning so much from this book. I want to recommend it to you as well. He says, to put it bluntly, if you are married, it's no longer an option to live as if you are single. If you are married, it's no longer an option to live as if you are single. And I think what we want to do is we want to, we want to bring that voluntarily, we want to bring that freely. Okay, and, it, and it's something that we, that we just have to consider, consider the other person, consider the other person's um, needs, the impact that it's going to have um, on her or upon him. And so yet my, my desire for us is that just in, maybe some of us in attitude, we'll make, we'll make an adjustment. Because I think all of us know you don't want somebody to do something for you because they must do it for you. Now, I think if, if we start talking about obligation, I think it sucks the life out of out of a spontaneous relationship, and where it's a give and take. And so I do this, and then you do that, and if you don't do this, then I'm not going to do this. And so if you didn't do the dishes, then I'm not going to watch the kids, and I'm always the one doing this. And there's an element of, of, of freely loving each other. I think all of us married each other because, <clears throat> not because we didn't have any other choice, but because we wanted to marry the person. You know, and I, I always tell people, uh, young people, if we're doing marriage prep with them or counseling, you know, if, if you feel like you must do this, um, and there's no other option for you, then you, know, you must be able to freely choose to love a person. You know, it shouldn't be, shouldn't be a compulsion. And what we want to do is we want to just make some adjustments in our attitude maybe tonight to say, love, it's a, it's a joy to sacrifice for you. It's a, it's a joy to lay this down for you. Um, I remember I was a sport fanatic, um, loved my sports. I, I still do. Any and I had a, had a like, uh, tennis watching session last night. Or was it the night before? I can't remember. Thursday, I just watched the Nadal against Zverev. It was great fun. Um, but there was a time when I would watch any, any sport. You know, if there was just a ball barely moving, I would watch it. And I remember my, um, one of my friends, they invited me for a movie or something. I was like, no, I'm watching basketball. Michael Jordan was still playing. I'm watching basketball, you know. I'm going to go to the movie. And they were like, one day you're going to be married, man, and then you need to stop being so phonetic. I'm like, no, she'll understand. <laughs> 
And what just happened was like, it just naturally, it just fell off me, you know, because it's actually, I mean, it doesn't come close to spending time, time with her. And then in return, shall I tell them a story about our wedding? <laughs> Maybe you can. Are you going to go there? Yes. No, 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 no. Okay. So we got married on the final of the Rugby World Cup in, uh, was it 2003, eh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fortunately, God was good to me. England and Australia, they were playing in the final, right? So, so you can blame that on me. God was good to me. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just like, hey, yeah, man, getting married versus a rugby World Cup final. It's not, you can't compare the two. Um, but when you, don't have the <laughs> when you don't have the prize, when you don't have the joy set before you, then it becomes a schlep. You know, and I think the challenge then is that we become comfortable with each other, and the things that came easily for us during courtship now becomes a, a bit of a, a schlep because we lose sight of the, of the prize. And uh, so my encouragement would be to, to us to just take some small decisions. What we want to do tonight is to encourage each other to make adjustments in attitude and in decision because it's not just good enough to, to be intentional, to say, but I want to prioritize you. Uh, Nikki has often told me, okay, you know, there's something practical that you need to do. It's not just good enough to be intentional in your heart. It needs to manifest. Where am I on your diary? <clears throat> so I've got a PA, and Nikki just very often just goes to the PA. I myself. Yes, and says, I want the rest of the day, just like, you know. <laughs> but that's the reality. I can say that you're important to me, but is it reflected in my, in my diaries, reflected in my, in my evenings? Um, and then I think what we want to see in our lives is we want to see commitment. And, and you know, I, I come across so many couples and we see that there's no problem with a commitment. But what we don't want to do is we don't just want to be committed partners to each other. We don't just want to be committed to raise the kids together. We don't just want to be committed to, you know, just be ministry partners. We want to have the passion. We want to be committed and passionate uh, we want to have the right attitude and the right actions in our lives. And, and I think that's what we, what we trust in the Lord for. And we have these conversations when we consider the other person, when we consider that person's desires and that person's needs, there's something that happens. To, in a sense, what we're doing is we, we're continually pursuing each other, Amen. continually going after each other's heart. And so making what is important to the other person important to you, um, I think that's something very important, and let me just read this verse for us before we, <clears throat> before we take a break. Revelation 2, verse 4 to 5, um, Jesus speaking to the, to the church and saying, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, repentance often gets a bad rap. It's simply just, you know, you, you see God for who He is, you see yourself for who you are, and you understand that in order to uh, reflect His heart, you need to make some changes. Right? You need to, 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 to turn around, make a U-turn. Um, and, and some of us need to just go back to the things we did at first. You know, where it was not a... I can remember when I was thinking of Nikki, you know, pursuing her. I mean, I couldn't stop just thinking about what's going to make her happy. You know, how am I going to get to her heart? How am I going to show her that I love her? How am I going to show her that she is more important to me than any of the other girls? I'm shifting away from just like um, her being my sister in the Lord. 
you know, just like with a side hug, you know, just my sister. I'm like, no, man, I don't just want you to be my sister. I want more, you know. <laughs> it's more that I want. And so I had to show that I want more. And now I have more. But am I still showing it? You know, I think for us as men sometimes, that's such a, we have now, it's very bulky. No? We have what you have, you've worked very hard for. Are you consistently still putting it out there? Are you consistently still going after, after heart? And we cannot get complacent. We cannot get complacent. Again, a good way for us to think about it is to measure our passion and our ambition for our wives versus our passion and our ambition for me towards the ministry. Am I thinking, we're thinking about this building now that we're going to buy and all the plans that we're making, all of those things. And it's important. And I'm passionate about it because the fulfillment of, of a dream. We've prayed about it for a long time. But my, I need to constantly channel my ambition and channel my passion still towards her. She's still more important than this amazing building project in this answer to prayer. She's, the building is going to come and go. And I'm not going to live in the building. I'm certainly going to sleep in the building. Well, I might if I get in trouble at home. <laughs> you know, end up sleeping in the building all by myself. That's going to suck. Yeah? Your business, your boss, you know, they're not going to be with you through the thick and the thin and the tough times. It's the wife of your youth, right? And so maybe for some of us guys, just to, to consider again, what were the things we did at first? And to return to that and to just continue to pursue each other and to pursue each other within the context, not an idyllic world where everything is perfect, but within the context of pace, in the context of commitments, in the context of your hobbies. Because here's the key. Once upon a time in the land far, far away, we found a way. Okay? With being busy, with commitments, and with hobbies. We found a way to convince someone else that she or he is the most important thing. And if we could do it once, we can do it again. Right? We can do it again. Um, so when we bring ambition and passion for excellence to our marriages, then I believe we place the highest priority upon investing time and energy to build a healthy marriage. Right? So it's time and it's energy. The quality and the integrity of our marriages is the most important gospel message of our lives. It's what happens here between Nikki and myself that says more than any sermon I could possibly preach, anything I could possibly do for the Lord. It is how I love the wife of my youth. And that's not just for pastors, that's for all of us. For all of us as believers is how do we treat that person that has said yes to us? How do we love them? How do we forgive them? How do we receive forgiveness? How do we ask for forgiveness. And so just one of the questions I ask myself as we, as we wrap up the session, we're going to have a lovely supper, is do I love being a husband more than any other role that I have? Do I love being a husband more than I love being a pastor? More than I love even being a dad? Do I love being Nikki's husband? Is, if everything else gets taken away from me and I'm just left with her, do I love that? Is that, is that enough for me? If not, which are the roles that are competing with this and give me more joy right now? And so that's not something that you necessarily have to talk to your spouse about, but it's important enough for you to consider that. What is giving me more joy than the person sitting next to me? And just to think, what's competing in my heart for her affection or for his affection? Um, can be the kids even, as amazing as they are. 
You're more excited to see the kids than you are to see your spouse. You know? You wouldn't have had the kids if you didn't have the spouse. Let me think of that. Do I move slowly and deliberately enough to consider the impact of my decisions upon my spouse and my marriage? And uh, we want to encourage you tonight to move slowly through the evening. All right? Uh, eat your supper slowly. Don't have to rush it. Um, continue your chats if you want to. Or maybe also just chat with somebody you haven't seen yet. Right? You don't have to, to solve everything tonight. You don't have to come up with solutions uh, tonight on everything, but just walk away from here with commitment to say we will continue this conversation. All right. So let me pray for the the supper is ready, hey guys. We we want to have the supper here, just at the back. Okay. God, thank you for the privilege to be able to to eat together, Lord. Uh, the privilege, Lord, that we have tonight to um, to have meals that have been prepared for us. We pray, God, you bless the hands that prepared it, uh, Father. That uh, you would use to strengthen our bodies, Lord. We thank you for peace in this building. Um, again tonight, Lord, it is such a joy and such an uh, amazing privilege to, to gather in your name and not to fear persecution and not to have to worry, God, where our meals are going to come from. And so we thank you that you are good to us. And we pray, God, that you will just uh, bless the conversations, Lord, that we are having uh, with each other tonight, Father, as we, we trust you to connect our hearts to one another in a in a beautiful way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Have fun. Enjoy. We are going to we'll let you know when we, when we will be coming back. Think quarter past. Andere, wanneer begin ons weer? Kwaad oor sebe. Ten oor. Ten past seven. Okay. Okay. Hope you enjoyed the soup and the lovely rolls and stuff. Um. So in this, in this next session, I'm going to just be reading a bunch of, uh, of scriptures for us and want to chat through a few, just a few principles that I, I think we all, we all know. And then we're going to give each other time again just for, for discussion. And, and again, just to emphasize again, what we want to do this evening is, is really just to, to kickstart some conversations, to encourage you guys to continue the conversations at home, to, to have the conversation regularly. And maybe if you just even do one thing tonight, it's just to maybe uh, just schedule a time where you will um, continue the conversation, all right, while the conviction is there and while you, while you are here. Um, so the, the last session I've sort of labeled knock, knock, who's there, right, which is, um, I was thinking about us doing an icebreaker on that, but uh, we, don't have, we don't have time. Um, but I was, I was thinking about Ephesians 5.31 just as a basis for us. We all, we all know it, so let me just read it for us. Uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And, and, and that's obviously the, one of the foundational verses when it comes to Christian marriage. I'm sure that many of us had that verse also at our, at our weddings. Um, but... This verse is, is going back to the beginning, as Henny said, where the Bible starts with a wedding and where uh, uh, Adam cleaves to his wife and God says, for this reason, the man shall, shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one. There are two different lives that come together. There is an individual coming together with another individual and they form a new unit. They form something new that didn't exist before. It's amazing if you think about it, that God used us to, to, to come together and to create something new, to, to be part of something that hasn't existed before. There, 
the, the marriage between Nikki and myself will never, ever exist again. It is something new. It is something that God has given us. It is something um, from His heart that he, that he shares with us. And it gives us the opportunity to, to reflect this mystery that Paul says, it's a mystery. And I, and I think many of us have been there where we can say, amen, yes, it's, it's definitely a mystery. Uh, very often you're like, Lord, I need divine interpretation because I don't know what that means. I don't know. You know, you've got you've to help me here. It's, it's a mystery. And the greater mystery there is, Paul says, the mystery about Christ and the church, something about marriage, something about a man falling in love with a woman, a woman responding to that love, trusting him, putting her, her um, really a future in his hands, so to speak, and the two of them walking together. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery. It's, it's something that, that is unique that God has given us to express his love for us. And, and so our relationship with our, with our spouses has everything to do with God's love for us as, as, as human beings, right? So we, so we know that it's not just something that exists in isolation. It is something that reflects God's love for us and is part of our testimony to the, to the world. And then Revelation 3 verse 20, just, I'm, I'm going to um, just sort of move towards the end. Um, Jesus stands at the, the door of his people, not of, not of unbelievers, and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Right? So just, just bear with me. If we say that our relationship with, with our spouse is a reflection also of our relationship with God, that God uses our relationship with our spouse to reflect something of Jesus' love for the church, then when we get to this place where we see Jesus' relationship with his church involves him coming to, to someone that he loves, a group of people that he loves, a group of people with whom he has walked for quite a while. And he says, we know each other, we love each other, but there is an element of me still standing on the outside. Something happened along the way where even though we love each other, even though I love you, you say you love me, right now I'm actually standing outside the door of your heart. We're still in a relationship, but there's an area that you have closed off to me, and I'm knocking on the door of your heart. He's speaking to his people, and he, and he says, I stand at the door, and I knock. And if you were, will hear my voice and open up, then I will come in, and I will dine with you. Right? So, so date nights are important. Having meals together are important. Uh, I was thinking about, I was doing a quick icebreaker, and you guys just to chat about the first meal that you had together and what you guys ate at that meal. And then I thought, then the husbands are going to be in trouble. Quite a few of them, because they will probably not remember what that first meal was. I don't know, maybe, maybe you would. But I love this, I love this, this quote from um, Hans Urs von Balthasar, all right, from his book Prayer. Right? He says, speaking about Jesus, here is a man, sinless, because he has lovingly allowed the Father's will full scope in his life. Uh, Jesus has, has lovingly allowed the Father's will full scope to his life. So in other words, there was never a moment when the Father was standing on the outside of Jesus' heart, feeling locked out of Jesus' heart. He had given full scope. He had given Jesus, or Jesus had given the Father full scope to his heart, full scope to his life. We see that manifesting in the Garden of Gethsemane especially, when the temptation must have been at its greatest to close the door to the Father's will. But he opens it up and he invites the Father's will into his stress, into his fear, and says, Father, your will be done. So Jesus has given the Father full scope. 
And, and so what we want to do, the way we want to live is to live in such a way that we give each other full scope in terms of excess that we give to one another. Okay? And so I say there that the more excess we give to Jesus, to Father God, to the Holy Spirit, um, to the visible and the hidden parts of our lives, the easier it is for us to do it with our spouse as well. That the more open I am to give Jesus and Father God and the Holy Spirit full scope, full access to the visible things, the things that you guys see. Um, this message, my, my, my fathering of my kids, the way that I pastor, I want Jesus to have full scope there. His will, His will to be done. I want to submit my will to Him. I want to evaluate my decisions. I want to evaluate the way that I do things and how I do things and why I do things. And when I do things, I want that to be under submission to the Lord's will. But I also want the hidden things that you guys don't see. The way that I, I talk to my wife at home, the way that I spend my time with the kids, the way that I use my cell phone when nobody is around, the way that I use my finances. I want those hidden things also to be submitted to the will of God. And so I want full scope, full scope, full access to the Lord's will. And the more I do that with Jesus in terms of opening up my heart giving him access, speaking to him about the stuff that I'm concerned about, the stuff that I fear, the stuff that I'm excited about, the easier it is also for me to do that with Nikki. Right? That's, the, that's the connection. So Matthew 7, verse, verse 21 to 23 says the following, Not everyone, so keep in mind, our marriages, our relationship with our spouses is a reflection of our relationship with the Lord. And so here Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so here Jesus is saying to people that do all the spiritual things, they do all the things that you would look at and you would say, man, casting out demons, healing the sick, prophesying, that's like in our book, Boom, you know, that's like spirituality. That's like, that is it, man. That guy's got a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is saying, even that can be done in your own strength. Even that can be done in a way that it is on the surface very successful, in the surface a reflection of intimacy with the Lord. But it's only you and Jesus that really knows what's going on. Only you and Jesus that really knows what's going on. Okay, and, and so... If it is possible for us to do those spiritual things, it is also possible for us to live with one another in such a way where it can look like, so we're dropping off the kids, we're coming to church together, we're doing all the things that you would say, that's what amazing couples do. Even within that, it is possible to miss each other. Right? Because we, 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 we go through the motions and there's an element there where Jesus says, I never knew you. Now, which is a crazy thing if you think about it because, I mean, Jesus knows everything about us. Um, I mean, he tells us over and over again, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I know the hairs on your head. I know everything about you. And yet he says, I never knew you, right? which is sort of something to wrestle through a little bit. But that knowing speaks about a knowing that involves excess that's given. Just because God knows everything about you doesn't mean that he knows you intimately the way that a man and a woman know each other in physical intimate union. Right? There's an element where, where we can live in such a way that even though God knows everything about us, there isn't the knowing. 
That knowing that speaks about the knowing of Adam and Eve. Adam knew his wife. Where they were naked, they were together, and they had sexual intercourse with each other within a loving relationship. A knowing, an initiation of a relationship, and a surrender and a submission to that relationship. And, 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 and vulnerability. And it is possible for us, I think, especially the more we get to know each other, to know a lot about each other. But maybe to have moved away from knowing each other. Right? To know a lot about each other and maybe to have moved away from knowing each other. Genesis 2 verse 25 says it so beautifully. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. That speaks about vulnerability. That speaks about trust. And we know when sin came in, that went out the door. The mistrust came in, the blame came in, the fig leaves came, came into play. Why? Because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so my question to us is, what do we do with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? In other words, what do we do with what we discover about each other? What do, what do we do? Because, because over the years, we discover a great deal about ourselves and each other, don't we? I mean, we, we, we have the opportunity to get to know each other in a way that nobody else does. I mean, you see things in, in the other person, and you see things in yourself. You discover things about yourself that you maybe never even knew were in there. Beautiful things and some frightening things as well. And, 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 and somebody else now has the opportunity to be so close to you that there's no place to hide. And we can see good, and unfortunately we see the evil as well. We see the flesh, we see the brokenness as well. And what we do with the good things that we see, and what we do with the broken things that we see, has a direct impact upon our intimacy. An impact upon whether we can still be naked and unashamed with each other, which is just a picture of vulnerable with each other. Because you can't be naked and unashamed and not be vulnerable. There's no, there's no way we can have sexual intimacy and not have vulnerability. You could maybe have intercourse, but not have intimacy, which is a big difference between the two. Without trust and without vulnerability, it is impossible to have intimacy. And, and, and that's really what I believe all of us, we desire for our marriage. I mean, it's not just intercourse, it's intimacy. And out of intimacy, the intercourse is amazing. But we don't just want to know about each other. We want to know each other. And so I think it's important for us just to, to, to consider whether over the years, in terms of the things that we've discovered about each other, we've subtly just begun to draw away a little bit. So much so that maybe there are areas in our lives, if we were honest with each other, the one spouse will have to say to the other, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Maybe first and foremost, if we take a step back, Jesus might be saying to some of us in our marriages, Behold, I stand at the door of your marriage and I knock. And, and I would love you just to give me access because I want to come in and I want to dine with the both of you and I just want to have conversation with you, and I want to heal, and I want to restore, and I want to flood you with life and with hope and with peace. Maybe there's some of us we need to be at that place where we say, God, we've tried hard enough and long enough in our own strength to fix certain things, and, and we need to just listen to you knocking. The beautiful thing is Jesus hasn't stopped knocking. You know, he's always inviting us and saying, I want, to, I want to come in. I want to have a date night with the two of you. I want to come and fellowship with you. 
But maybe some of us also tonight, we have to be honest and we have to say, man, I'm knocking because I feel left out. I, I feel pushed out. I, I feel just subtly just moved out of that space of your heart. Because knocking implies asking, right? Um, asking for permission. And, and, and I think what can happen sometimes is that, you know, we can either, we can either knock on the door or we can bash down that door. We can either come in and, and, and come in there with a sledgehammer and open that thing up, and we know what happens then. You know, the person just withdraws more, and you just get pushed further and further away. And, and so knocking always implies this vulnerability because it means that someone asks for permission, and somebody else has the power to deny that permission. That's the, the beautiful, fragile, awesome thing about marriage that's based upon respect is that one person makes themselves vulnerable to come with an attitude of, I'm not demanding, I'm asking. Why? Because that is what Jesus does to us and with us. If we want our marriages to reflect Him, I mean, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the one to whom we have surrendered our lives, and yet Jesus says there at the end of Revelation, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm doing what? I'm knocking. I mean, He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, He's the one that has created us, and He's not coming in there and saying, Kabah, here I am. He's knocking. And if, and if Jesus is doing that and we want to be a reflection of his love, then I think we need to be very careful as to how we ask permission. We need to be very careful as to how we treat each other's hearts. And, and we have to ask ourselves, my, the way I'm engaging with my partner's heart, am I knocking or am I bashing? Am I forcing my way in there, or am I knocking? And then on the other hand, as someone said it so beautifully, the door of your heart has got only one handle, and that's on the inside. It's only got one handle. And, 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 and some of us maybe have to ask ourselves the question, am I opening up when my spouse is knocking? Am I keeping that door shut and ignoring, and ignoring that knock? How I knock on Nikki's heart and how I open up to her when she knocks is a prophetic picture for others to see. The way we react to each other, and I'm specifically talking here about moments of weakness, guys. I'm talking here about the stuff that we, we discover about each other. Because when the things are beautiful and they're amazing, I mean, we put it on Facebook, don't we? <laughs> I mean, you're not hiding that. It's not like you say, no, let me hide that beautiful meal. Let me hide that, you know, my, my child's achievement. And I know some of us are very wary of Facebook, which is a good thing as well, you know, all, of, all that stuff. But in general, I mean, if it's amazing, if it's good, we put it out there. I mean, you share that. It's when we, we start stepping onto those broken things that things become a little bit tricky. And sometimes there are locks on our hearts, and I quickly want to mention four to us. Um, fences we put around our hearts, we really just off, off fences. And a fence that I, yo, there's some massive fences in this city. And the guys near, you know how to build fences, man, build it, they, they're big, they're massive, massive fences. And sometimes we've got these fences around our, our hearts. And, and the amazing thing is that we can, you know, in our marriages, can be very open towards other people and yet to the person closest to us have this massive wall up in a certain area of our lives. Be incredibly open to talk about a lot of stuff, but maybe just in the area of, of intimacy, there's a, there's a challenge. In the area of finances, just certain no-go areas where we decide I'm not going to go. Why? Because I got offended with that person. 
I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart. Shadows is, just refers to things that have happened to me in the past. I open up my heart to you before, and now the shadow of that experience is bearing down on this moment. When I opened up to you previously, you said this, this, and that, and I said, I'm never going to do that again. It's a shadow that comes in. Busyness makes it difficult. I mean, it's, it's uh, sometimes one of the challenges we have is like wanting to have deep conversations like on your way to get the kids ready and drop them off at school. I mean, it's tough to open up your heart there in a way. It's tough then to knock gently, you know. Um, and some business of life just prevent us from actually treating each other's hearts with the due respect that's needed. To knock, to ask for permission, and to open up. Unacknowledged, unyielded pain. And where we've hurt each other, and where we've just, life has hurt us, and we keep those things on the inside. All of that are locks on our, on our, on our hearts. And, and I think it's important for you to, to have this conversation and to think about whether there's an area in your marriage where you feel locked out of. And an area in your marriage where maybe you've, you've locked the door on, on the inside. And an area in, in your marriage where, just as we, I'm not going to ask you to talk about this now, but to, but to think about it as I'm, as I'm talking. Is there an area in your marriage right now that you know, if I'm honest, I've closed it off to my spouse? I could maybe have a conversation with my, my buddy, you know, when we go for a run or have a beer, I can talk to him about it, but I, I'm just, I don't have the confidence to go there with her or to go there with him. And to just ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that. Three keys quickly I want to mention to you before we get to the opportunity for us to talk about it. Surrender your keys in prayer to the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is the best watchman that there is. He's the best doorkeeper. All right, trust the Holy Spirit. Um, um, in Romans 8, 26 to 27, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Okay? Um, we don't have the capacity to protect our hearts. You don't. There's this thing called marriage to give someone, another human being, that amount of, I almost want to say power over you. To be that vulnerable to someone else who's fallible, whose personality is different to yours. To give another person that much access to your heart takes a great leap of faith. A great leap of faith. And either we continue to walk in faith and to trust the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness, or we start defending our own hearts. And once we start defending our own hearts, we start building fences. We start locking each other out. The only option is to engage with each other by faith in covenant. That's the only option. Faith and saying, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'm believing that you're, you have my best interest at heart. I'm taking that step of faith, and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the heart of God. And he's able to translate the heart of God to us. He's also able to translate my heart to Nikki and Nikki's heart to me. When we, when we, when we, we speak to each other and we clash and we, we're talking about the key, but actually we're talking about a whole lot of other stuff. I don't know if that's happened to you. We're talking about this physical thing right now, but there's a whole lot of other conversations that's happening here. And we're just bouncing off each other. It's a time to step away and to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you help our weak, you're the spirit of intercession. You know the heart of the Father. You translate the heart of the Father to us. Translate my heart to Nikki. Translate Nikki's heart to me. 
Right? Um, for me, as someone in ministry, I think about how much time do I spend praying for ministry events, and I'm trusting God, I'm standing in faith, God, for you to move on that person's heart, Lord, for you to do this and you to do that. And the same Holy Spirit is available for Nikki and me. To trust the Holy He's your greatest fan for your marriage. He's, he's, he's cheering you on. The Holy Spirit, you know, I, I think some of us as guys, if we knew the Lord, we depended upon the Holy Spirit to help us to win our wives' hearts. I don't know. I did that. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me to be at the right time at the right place. Show me, Holy Spirit, what flowers Nikki like. And I was like, made the Holy Spirit part of it. You know, I had Rochelle as well to help me. She gave me, gave me inside info as well. And, and Henny and so forth. They encouraged me. Hold it unbrewed. Just keep on going. Don't give up. You know, but I, I counted upon the Holy Spirit to, to help me. Don't lock the Holy Spirit out of your marriage. Don't lock him out. He wants to help you. He wants to see your marriage flourish. All right? So trust him to be the mediator between your heart and your spouse's heart. All right? Um, Then secondly, the second key is, I believe, in order for us to live with open doors towards one another. And again, think about what we've spoken about, the pace of life, the commitments and our hobbies, and all those things can clutter that space. Okay? That's why we want to talk about it, because sometimes you want to open a door, and there's a whole lot of stuff that's against this door, that's lying against that door, and you've got to get that stuff out of, the, out of the way. But we've got to guard the space between us. Right? And, and sometimes there's a lot of stuff that, that come in, things like, like worry. Right? When, when we, we carry a lot of worry inside of us, and we, and we don't talk about it to each other. Uh, fatigue, if you, if you don't sleep, sleep enough, you know, the Hulk tends to, you know, appear out of nowhere when one doesn't get enough, get enough sleep. Resentment can build up, emotional ties to, to other people. All of those things can, can come into play and can make us reluctant to open up a heart towards, uh, towards each other. And be careful about the, uh, with this little beauty right, that, that comes into the sacred space between us as, as individuals. All the conversations that go on through this thing. Guard the sacred space between you and your, and your spouse. Um, the kids can come in between us. Guard that space. There's a sacred space that belongs to Nikki and myself. There's a sacred space that no relationship that I have with her that I don't even have with my kids. I protect that space. Don't allow those things to get in there. Be aggressive to get them out of the way. And use the oil of affirmation. I quickly want to read this beautiful portion for you. It's been said that, that you find what you look for. Look for faults, and you will find faults. Look for beauty, and you will find beauty. Regular, sincere affirmation is one of the greatest gifts one spouse can give the other. Now, I'm aware of the fact that we've got different love languages, right? So a lot of us, we appreciate gifts more than words, um, all sorts of things like that. But there's something about verbalizing affirmation, about saying it and speaking it over each other that, that causes the hinges of that door to our hearts to flow open easily. If you know that someone loves you in spite, because we all know. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, marriage is a tough mirror. It doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. Now, we all know um, I mean, looking back now, the way that when you stood there at the pulpit and you stood next to your, to your wife, and, and I mean, many of us thought, man, I can do this. You know, I'm like, I mean, I said it to Nikki when I proposed to her. I said, like, I believe I've been created to love you. Everything I've been through in my life, 
you know, has brought me to this point, and I'm convinced that no one else can love you the way that I do. And I said it, put it out there. I firmly believed it. Uh, I'm, I still do, but I do it now with a lot of humility, knowing how easily I can stuff up. <laughs> how easy it is for me to disregard a heart, to hurt it, to be selfish, how easy it is. And all of us that haven't been married for a while, we know that we know our fallibility. Right? And, and so the other person has the opportunity to, in spite of the other person's brokenness, with words of affirmation, to encourage that person to open up. Where there's a safe space that we will not find anywhere else. When we look for goodness and beauty in one another and speak honest words of life over one another, we become God with skin on for the other. I love that. When we look for goodness and beauty in one another, and sometimes it's easier to look for that beauty and goodness in other people because you don't go home with them. <laughs> I, just, I, I want to pray for us, quickly. Father, I want to ask you for the spirit of prophecy. Lord, to have free reign in our marriages, God. To, Lord, have access to our mouths, Lord, so that you can speak your heart through us. To one another. Lord, we have the opportunity, Lord, to, to love each other and affirm each other like no one else can. And I ask, Lord, that you, Spirit of prophecy, we want to welcome you into our marriages, Lord. We want to welcome you into the sacred space. We want to pray you will touch our eyes to see the way that you see, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Affirmation heals wounds covers shame, and communicates how God sees us as infinitely valuable and lovable. Infinitely valuable and lovable. A steady stream of criticism. We're talking here about what happens when your spouse opens their heart to you. With their fallibility, with their we. What happens? Do we affirm? Or what do we do? A steady stream of criticism, on the other hand, sucks the life out of us and out of our relationships. It is one of the great killers of passion. So what happens when we are knocking on each other's hearts? How do we knock and how do we respond to that knocking? So I want you to, to take a couple of minutes, and I, and I know we, we're going a little bit, little bit deep, um, quite quickly as well, but I just want us to, to um, walk away with an encouragement to continue these conversations, to chat to each other and ask one another these questions. One thing that you do that makes me feel safe and excited to open up to you about what I'm thinking, feeling, and dreaming of. So one, this, is, this is when you, when you rub my back like that. Man, I can tell you anything. You know, this is one thing, like I'm a physical touch person, all right? So I'm like, Nikki, you know, we can, I don't care what we fight about, just, just touch me, all right? Just, just, just be close to me, all right? Just hold me and you can tell me anything, all right? But if we're on opposite sides of the room and like I feel disconnected from you, it's just like, man, it's not lacquer, all right? But when she touches me, it, it opens up things. In a, uh, she on the other side doesn't just want the touch, you know, like touching just going to fix everything. You know, <laughs> you know, she wants me to listen and verbalize things and, and respond. But, but it's what makes us feel safe with each other. And each one of us, we've, we've got that. We, 
And, and I want you just to share it with your spouse. This is when you do this, when you talk to me like this, when you, when you whatever, you know, it makes me excited. It makes me feel safe. And then think about this, that we are supposed to be the safest place for our spouse's heart. There shouldn't be any other space where our spouse feels as safe like this. The challenge is if we don't find the space here, our hearts, what do our hearts do? Our hearts yearn for that safe space. And it will look for that safe space. It will look for that safe space with a colleague at work, with a running partner, with a computer screen. It will look for that safe space. And God, through covenant, gives us the opportunity to be that space for each other. Just do that. Just do that for, for now. Right? Just talk to each other about one thing that, that you do that makes you feel safe and excited to, to open up to one another. Guys, so, so just, just quickly. Um, so why I you see the second question there. Is one thing that you do that makes me feel reluctant to open up. All right? So time is not on our side tonight. Right? So I don't want you to open up the conversation and, and then have to go and just drive somewhere and go home and go straight to the kids. I want you to schedule time to have the conversation, okay? In a space where you're not hurried and you, you're able to have the conversation. Because sometimes what we do is we open up things and then we just we need to go on to the next thing. And that thing lies there under the surface. Okay, and we as men typically, we then get busy and we forget about that and then you run into the wall. You know, like, everything's hunky-dory, boof! Oh! <laughs> it was because you opened up that thing and you, you didn't go back to it. All right, so, so don't open up big things when you don't have the time to, to talk it through. All right, so I just, um, I just talk about your heart and what makes you excited to, to open up. And then on your date night and on your time, um, alone, you can talk about you can talk about the other two, and then we're going to split up now quickly after you're done, and, and just um, have a bit of alone time, guys and the girls. All right, so go for it. Oh, wish we had more time. Maybe, uh, I know a lot of you guys took, took pictures, but maybe if you haven't, you can just take a picture of that, that slide and so you have the questions <coughs> that you can, you can discuss. I'm sure you've got your email addresses as well, so I don't have any problem with us mailing the PowerPoint to, to you guys as well. But then it lies in your inbox again amongst other emails, so put it on your, put it on your phone. I've also got a, uh, just a bit of, bit of homework uh, for you to... You know, as the quote says, the more we, we look for beauty, the more we find beauty. And if you, the, the more you look for the negative things, you, you find the negative thing. And it's, it's, again, if we go back to returning to the first works we did, it's in, incredible how positive we were about each other. Eh? And how we just, we absolutely just believed the best about each other. And, and we, I mean, it was, I think for people around us, a little bit nauseating. <laughs> you know, um, and I think God's desire is that, that we will continue like that and it will just grow because God never stops being positive about us. 
If you think about the things that he spoke to you, the words he spoke over your life, knowing all the stuff that he knows about you, and he still speaks it over you. And that's where we can reflect God and have that same spirit inside of us. And so um, I think something that can be very beneficial to us is to actually just think about it. As human beings, we tend to focus on the negative things. Uh, and we spend a lot of time thinking, thinking on that. But to think on just the things that you find attractive and beautiful about your spouse, the physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, think about that. You know, write that down. And share that with your spouse. You know, make a habit of affirming him or her. We, we tend to think about they know this. Um, say it. You know, um, and be intentional. Be intentional about that. And be creative. If you, if you um, like I, you know, to help me, I got a little book. Um, Romancing Your Wife, it's called. Anybody read that book? Romancing Your Wife. It's brilliant. It's got about 20 different ideas as to what you can do, and it's just fantastic. The guy gives the ideas, and he says, this is what I wish I could have done differently. I was like, yeah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the book, and I'm going to get some ideas. I needed some, I needed some help. I would do it for, I buy books to improve my ministry as a, as a pastor. You know, you guys buy books to improve yourself as a leader and as a business. Why not get books and and, and tips to help you, you know, on these things. But anyway, I'm talking too much again. We, uh, time is a little bit against so What we want to do, we want to answer just some questions. If you guys have any questions, um, Nick and I would love to answer. We will also love to pray with you. And so if you, if you need prayer, we would love to pray with you um, at the end of the, of the session. I can pray for the guys. Nick will pray for the girls. We can pray for you as this couple as well, Zana and Alex will be here, and Henny and, and Shell and uh, Mason and Andre also would love to pray to pray with you guys. So, um, then if there are any questions, we would love to, well, we can try our best to, to answer it for you. But we don't know if, oh, you want to say something? My wife normally has a lot to say, so... Um, Oh, let me take a break and sit down a bit. Any question? Anything that you, unrelated, just anything, maybe not even what we, we shared about tonight, that you, you, um, uh, this politics. being. politics, no, not anything. Yes, don't have the solution for. <laughs> oh, wow. Sure. Thank you, Mezen. This is my love language. Yes. Thank you, Mezen. We can release you early to go and have some good conversations if you don't have any, any, any questions for us. Feel free to mail questions as well. Uh, make use of the pastors around you. If something is stirred in your heart, if you feel in your conversation you're hitting a bit of a roadblock, because that sometimes happens as well, and just feel like we're just not making progress here, don't be afraid to open up to somebody else. Right? Don't. Don't struggle on your own. Don't, don't feel like we're the only people struggling with this and we keep on hitting the same, same roadblock. Open up to other people. Invite them into, into, your, into your space. Yeah, just on that, I want to encourage you to walk with another couple. Walk with another older couple if possible. Identify somebody in your, in your community, in your church, in your space, and open up. Walk that journey of trust and vulnerability. I, we can testify it really helped us. 
we walk with peers as well. Um, we are close to Indian Rochelle, but we have, we have a few couples with whom we really share our heart. We share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we, we um, accept their input. We make the changes. It really is embarrassing and humiliating because you have to admit to things that you're sort of supposed to have um, under the belt already. You've been married for 18 years. Come on, you have three children. You're still su stuck here or str st um, struggling with this, that, and the other. On the one hand, it's embarrassing and humiliating. On the other hand, it's so empowering and, and, and um, liberating to know we have a safe space. The couple, actually, they are in Pretoria. Um, and you're, they've seen everything, heard everything. They didn't even flinch when we say, you know what, Beryl, I can't stand this and that and the other of the pastor, you know. Um, she just says, you know what, Nikki, sit down, breathe, relax, it's normal. Let's see what the word says, or she'll say, this is my experience, or have you thought about this? Have you looked, have you looked at your own heart, really? What is the Lord saying to you? That type of counsel. And then I realize, okay, you know what? Um, Buck stops with me. I need to bring my heart to God, even though he, whatever frustrates me or whatever, I, I'm responsible for my own heart. Whatever I allow into my heart, the disappointment, the hurt, the offense, I need to take it to Jesus, and there the healing starts. Then I've got a softer heart, so when Heinrich does approach me after that, it's a different situation altogether. There's no nails coming out and my walls aren't up, because I've been intimate with my creator first, my first love, and then when my husband approaches me, it's something totally different, whereas when I just go to barrel or I just, we just try to... I don't know, fight it out, figure it out. I'm the passionate... We don't have fights, we just have discussions. Oh, such a liar. There will be time for, for him to pray for you and then for him to confess to you. So, yeah. Yeah, I just want to reiterate that. Walk with a couple, walk in accountability. It's precious, it's life-changing. Um, it saved our marriage, really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's a journey, um, and I think also depending on seasons yeah. in our lives, busyness, kids, all of, all of those things. And so I think what we've tried to do was to be very flexible around that, but to, to have um, rhythms in our lives where we actually focus, spend time to, to pray together, worship together, um, that was, that's where we connect with, uh, with the Lord, um, and also just to, to share what the Lord is sharing with us, uh, with each other. I think um, initially we sort of tried to, to be very structured around it, but it hasn't really worked for us. Um, He's a, I'm a, sorry. He is um, awake like in the night, and he can work late into the night. I want to go to bed, and I up early, so that, that didn't work for us. He tried to have the structure. Okay, it needs to be when he gets to bed, and I'm already sleeping. When he gets back from a meeting, then I'm up early getting whatever ready. Then he's sleeping or whatever, so... We were stuck there for a while and felt guilty for a long time. And you know what I mean? And then she's like, it deflates you to realize, be flexible, keep on talking, find the rhythm, and get, get, enjoy the life bit out of all of this. Um, don't be so set in a rut that it must be that time. If you don't, 
Guilt really cripples you. Deal with guilt, ladies. Deal with shame, guys. It cripples you. Just be open and find rhythm that works. Our rhythm and your rhythm will be different. And depending on how small my kids are and where he is in the world, in the country, or in, the, in town, um, we make it work. How does your week look, you know? And also, when they, were, when they got older, our children, we included them in worship as a family. And that place... That's explosive. That is so cool. The kids um, see us worship, not just here. Um, and that made a huge difference. Yeah. So what, what has helped was to discover what's important for Nikki. You know, what, what makes her feel spiritually safe. Because what you don't want to have is, you don't want to have, especially as men, we don't want to have our wives feel spiritually unsafe and, and uncovered um, and uncertain spiritually. So whatever you need to do to to be the spiritual covering for your wife and to assure her that you are praying for her, you need to do that. Uh, and so really it's the other person that, that needs to, uh, it's the same like, you know, um, we often communicate love in a way that we want to receive it. And so spiritually it would be the same. So the way you get connected to God or feel connected to God, you might think that's what the other person needs. But ask her, you know, how do you, how, what will make you feel safe? And for Nick, it's very often just me, before I go to work on another sermon or to go and work on stuff till late at night, it's actually just to hold her and to pray for her at night um, before, before, uh, before she goes to bed. Um, and I also had to change my rhythms now where more often than not now working late and she having to go to bed by herself is the exception, becoming less and less. Because I had to change my rhythms also to because her feeling safe is more important than, you know, me just sticking to what works, what works for me. So, so really, it's a question of asking. You know, what do you need spiritually? Like it is sexually, is to ask each other. You know, we tend to assume just that the way that I experience sexual intimacy is the way that she, what works for me, work for her, and it's to ask. It's that knocking again. And spiritually, it's the same thing. Ask what what works and and what will make you feel um, safe and valued. Yeah, but thanks for that. That's one that many of us struggle struggle with. Yeah. Ooh. Everything. Mm. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, how much time do you have? <laughs> Yo. Yeah, so. Okay. Still dealing with it <laughs> because the seasons change, you know, and so the demands change. Sure. Um, I think we, in our journey, went from not having kids to within a couple of weeks or months having our first, which the child that we fostered. So, you know, that changed a lot of things for, for us um, immediately, yeah. um, where we had to just navigate through just the two of us having plans of going overseas, having plans, and now, you know, there's another life to consider. So I think that was a journey um, for us. Um, I think we were challenged in our communication when the kids when the kids came. Yeah. Definitely the communication bit. Um, yeah, when when um, when we got Jonathan, he was six months old. So everything it, it was just there was like a whole person. I never carried him. There was not that journey of preparing and him being um, like involved with the whole pregnancy and all of that, it was just like this person is there. And everything becomes all-consuming with having children. The conversation is about, everything's about them. 
So it had to be intentional just to speak, not speak about the children. That was like a, like a, like a, like a date night thing. Can we just not speak about the children? <laughs> it feels like it's selfish, but it's necessary. That was a big one, really. Yeah. That was the main one, actually. And also, also quiet times in that. Yeah. So, so it really was to be intentional around having a life outside of the kids. Um, and to think about how we're going to do that, and then obviously to incorporate them into our, into our, our serving the Lord. So for us, um, our rhythms, because we had many evening meetings, we had to decide how we're going to have our kids become part of our lives and understanding that we have a purpose and we are pursuing the kingdom. And we love our kids, and they're always going to be priority for us, but the whole world doesn't revolve around them. And so we, one of the big Changes for us was then to establish early routines for the kids. So to be in bed by 7, 7.30, so we can have people come and look after them and, you know, they haven't missed out. Um, I had to change my schedule to try and have my meetings after they go to bed so I can be there doing meal times and, and, and bathing times. So I think scheduling and communication was definitely a, a biggie for us. Um, and I think now with the girls being older, it's also having to navigate with there are these other women in my life, you know, that I'm, that I'm spending time with. And then Nikki's still having to be the queen and the most important one. And they're the princesses. She's the queen, always going to have first, first priority. You know, and that's also something that as a, as a man, husband, and a dad, I had to, I had to navigate through. I like the way um, you model that, though. So you're setting the, the bar so high, their potential husbands can really have to work really hard. So... That's the plan. That's the game plan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But but yeah, we still have to talk about talked about um, prioritizing us and setting time aside. So nights it's not date nights, so often it's dates morning. So I go to school, be having an hour for a waffle somewhere or just talking or walking or whatever. It's about just talking through it and, and, and planning it really. Um, yeah. And I think in that it was for me to discover being with the family doesn't necessarily mean I'm with Nikki. So on my side, I was like, you know, but I'm not working. I'm with the family, and so that should be enough for her. No. No. It helps, and she's, she's appreciative of that, but I still need to be with her. <laughs> and sometimes we can, we can just feel good about ourselves because we've now been with the family, you know, so. But no. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Is there anything else? Yes, at the back. <laughs> the answer, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is a friend, you know. Ask your wife. <laughs> no. No, no, seriously, my, my, my safe place really is with his decision. I've early in my marriage learned that my safe place is, as, as I know my husband follows Jesus and he hears his voice. Um, if he doesn't willfully sin and go against God, whatever he decides will work out well for me and the children. Even in that moment we don't agree with whatever it is, I will step back in alarm to make the decision. I'm not saying it's always easy and there's no sparks in the process I'm just saying, ultimately, in our house... Yo, is there so much sparks? What is that? Sparky. 
Oh, my joy. I'm getting all the chocolates because I deserve... Yeah. <laughs> um, where's my train of thought now? Yeah, so submitting to your decision-making. Yeah, it's the safest place, ladies. Just let him do it. God will take care of us. It's, it's yeah, we're not, our kids and, and we will be safe if you're, you follow Jesus and you make a decision. You make that call. It's always worked out for us. And I mean, once again, not saying that's been like, oh, lovey, I just think, you know. No, we, we flesh it out. We box it out. And I say, well, we go with your decision. I find my peace in that. So the flip side of that was that her, her trust in communicating that trust in me has inspired me to really make sure that I try to make the right decision. And so I default back to that my unity with her is more important than me being right. So on major decisions, I will not make a major decision if we're not in unity. Then I'd rather delay the decision until we are. It's just not worth it. Um, to not be in unity about the major decisions. And then, of course, there are things like, you know, do we put petrol or, you know, buy a petrol car or diesel car or, or whatever. And, you know, there's the things that don't have eternal consequences. Um, and when Nikki says, look, I don't like, yeah, I don't care. Just, you know, make sure the thing works, you know. And that's important also to talk through those things. Um, some decisions are more important than other decisions in terms of their, their implications. But... Um, Never make a decision in a hurry, under pressure, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime deal. You have to make this decision, and that, that pressure, we, we don't do that. And, and we don't make a decision, a big decision in our lives, if we're not in unity around it. So like I shared with the guys this morning, when we were asked to come to Pretoria, the, the pastor, Ed Pastor Beck, then asked us the morning. He said he didn't want to put pressure upon us, um, and so uh, we didn't have to feel rushed. We could give him the answer the afternoon. Um, LAUGHTER we were down in Stellenbosch at that stage, and I put down the phone, and Nikki said, who was it? I said, it was Pastor Fred, and she said, well, he wants us to go to Pretoria, hey? and I said, yes, and she said, you better just make sure that it's from the Lord. Um, you know, and so that inspired me to make sure it was from the Lord, but the Lord already spoken to us about it. You know? So even though it was quick, it was more a confirmation of something it already spoken to us about. Um, but I would never have made the decision if, if Nikki had felt an unease in her heart for us, to, for us to go. I would have then gone back for us to pray through it. Um, yeah, so, 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 so go, with, go with the unity. And then I think just communicate and ask each other, you know, are you okay with me making the decision here? And then um, what Nikki also does is if it does go pear-shaped, she doesn't say like, like Heinrich made the decision, we made no, the decision. Made you know, we made the decision to, together. Model that your children and those around yeah. you, it's us. Um, yeah. It's us. <laughs> yeah, so, kill the rat, right? Just however, Find whatever's needed. Rat. Yeah, kill it. Just. <laughs> yeah. Again, and I think um, what, what comes into play there is obviously also the way we saw our parents handle yeah. things like that. So, that's something to be aware of. So how do your mom and dad make decisions? How do they play out? Because that influences how we tend to make decisions as well. And just, just be open about it. Maybe just have a conversation even, you know, as couples. So how do your folks make decisions, you know? And um, that will give you a good idea as to what your default will be. Because we tend to duplicate what we've seen modeled, not what we were taught in, in a book. Jen? Kieran? Good. 
<laughs> Humor is good. It's needed. Don't take yourselves too seriously as well, okay? It just don't, yeah, don't. Don't take yourself too seriously. One at the back? Yep. The Ministry of Elbow. Um, very effective. Yes. Yeah, we had intense discussions around that. Um, it ebbs and flows. It comes and it goes, my brother. Um, yeah, I've got the bruises to show for it. Yeah. Well, Nikki, you must, you must share because you're on the yeah. receiving end. No, I'm committed to covenant, so I'm sticking. I'm, I'm holding on. I'm praying. I'm trusting Jesus for breakthrough. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'll just do this, man. No, it's better now, really. Yeah. But I'm less fatigued. My children are, you know, in high school and primary school. I wasn't, I was very fatigued at one stage. It's bothersome then. Yeah. Yeah. I did once or twice sleep in another room, when, especially when the kids were... Oh, you're just closing. <laughs> when the kids were tired, uh, young and Nikki was tired, and my snoring actually wasn't a blessing to her. So uh, <laughs> she couldn't afford to not sleep well, you know. So then uh, when she would wake me up. I'm like... Okay, I'm going to sleep in the other room, you know, just to get it time to rest. So now what I try and do is sleep on my side. That helps. I think there's a mask as well. It goes like this, keeps your jaw shut. Definitely is. Um, I, think, I think we're more on values than vision, um, to be honest. I think our vision is that we want to we see God's kingdom come. Amen. You know? um, and so we talk to kids often about the songs we sang at our wedding as well. Jesus, we will go with you to the ends of the earth. It's like just to be available to God to, to take us wherever. And our kids know that as well. And then for us, it's values, how we, how we talk about other people, how we treat the cashier, the petrol attendant, you know, values, and we try and model that to them. And so constant conversations, just because all the other kids are calling that adult by his first name. In Afrikaans, that's not a done thing. You know, adult, when the person is much older than you, you tend to say, woman, tiny. English is different. You know, so, so when other Afrikaans kids would call that older person on his name, but it's actually woman, tiny, we challenge our kids to be different, you know, and we model that to them. So I think it's definitely, uh, we talk often about it, but, other kids might do this. Other kids might sleep out early age. The practice is we don't do that. You know, we don't sleep out uh, at a certain age. Um, we don't have the phones with us all the time. You know, certain things that we love church. You yeah. know, we, what makes us that's what makes us different. We love church. We love community. We don't float around. That's who we are. Yeah. And so I think it is important to be intentional around that, maybe more than just having something against your wall, in yeah. you know, how you model that, but, but the intentionality around that is important, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly say um, have your values clear as a couple, and definitely when you have children, they need to know what you believe in as a family and what you, what you attain to in your community. So also for us, it's making a difference in your community. My, our biggest, uh, my heart's desire is for our children to have an impact in our local community as Jesus followers and people who are, are merciful and kind. And even I send them out from the car in the morning saying, what's going to make you different? Kindness. Um, just the way you speak, the way you react, be a blessing to your teacher. Um, 
Yeah, so they know it's about, it's about changing the world, but through kindness, small things. You need a platform for that. You need a mic for that. It's, it's there. It's there on the playground. It's there in the class. Um, it's small things. So that's pretty much our vision, kingdom. Yeah. yeah, and then we want them to be respectful towards authorities. The coach doesn't pick them for the A team. They play for the B team. You know, he's still going to give you best, that kind of thing. But then how we talk about authority then is also important. Um, does it come back? <laughs> it has never left, darling, but um, it feels like it is gone because you're, it's all consuming you between the nappies and the, uh, the scullery, I suppose. Um, what helped me was to find my identity in Christ. Um, I'm a trained pharmacist, and for a, for a big, for 18 years, I practiced that. And, I, and somebody asked me, so, so who are you? I'll say, well, I'm a pharmacist. That's who I am. That's what I did. But you, I, I, I found it in, in my career, my vocation, to a large extent because I loved it so much. And it was the passions, but it was our people felt it made a difference. And Heinrich was in the ministry, you know. Um, but the Lord gave us a single focus um, quite recently, really. Um, so, yeah, find who you are in Christ. That doesn't change. You are still a daughter of the Most High. You are still called by your first name, and it's not mommy. Um, in lockdown, things got really interesting. interesting. I like your words. <laughs> oh, it got a bit hectic in our home because I was the cook and the cleaner and the teacher and others, and I just felt like, who am I? And I just realized, but I'm still me, and God still loves me, and I'm enough. And that just set me free. Um, I'm not just a mother. I'm not just a wife. I am Nikki, called by God with, with, with a purpose. And even if I don't do whatever to, to somebody else's standard, I'm still enough. So you're hanging there. Um, worship him in the shower. Um, pray when you do the dishes. Just connect with Jesus. And, and that's the place where I found my wholeness. It does get better. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's been amazing for me to, to have Nikki travel with me now in a way that she couldn't when the kids were smaller. You know, so I'm convinced that, that what God has in store for her is actually going to grow brighter and brighter, and then I'm going to be playing a more supportive role for her eventually. Uh, Gosh, yeah. I'm convinced. You know, it's this, uh, there, there's, a, there's an element where God is faithful. You know? And so what you ladies do as, as, as moms, laying your lives down voluntarily, God, God isn't mocked. And you do that from your heart. He knows the desires in your heart. He knows the callings. And you are definitely called as ladies more than just moms. It's a specific, it's amazing calling. It's a great calling. It's the greatest calling there can be. But God has anointed you also for many other things. And it's just a question of season and, and, and how you relax in the season that you, are, that you are in. Because God definitely restores and he definitely brings, brings it back in a, in a beautiful, beautiful way. I mean, just from my perspective. And I think for me, in one stage, Nikki told me, don't call me mom. You know, I think we sometimes tend to, you know, maybe it's more the older generation, they would call their wives ma. Um, don't call your, your wife mom. Ma, don't. You're the one guy, actually, is the husband that can, 
can, can root and anchor her in that she's more than just a mom. Was ek eneste ouwe dit al gehoor het, of tegekom het, en Neil, jy lach lekker. Sounds affectionate, but it's not. No. Oh my. No. Where I was going to go with the story about lockdown, things getting crazy, was I told my children, I'm going to change my name. Everything is, mommy, more, more. Everything was, sorry with that word. I'm going to change my name. It's not mommy anymore. Mommy's not here. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm back. I'm good. I'm fine. I just wanted to say, mommy's back. <laughs> awesome. There was a half a hand. Did I see it off my corner of my eye? Bro, Any other questions? No, I'm handing over to you. Thanks, Ayn and Nikki. You guys have really blessed us. Um, let's give them a hand. Let's just say thank you. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it's, it's encouraging to know that, that you can figure things out as you're making mistakes and you can grow and, uh, you know, the Lord can work in your life and, and mature you, you know, step by step. Um, you know, we, we sometimes forget that um, our growth is, is organic. It's not like growth where you build a wall, which is mechanical growth. It's organic growth, and it, it's slow. And sometimes you miss, you know, it, it's, it's like, like with our kids, you know, they grow, and, and we as the parents, we see them every day, so we miss the growth. But other people are like, whoa, look how big they become. You know, I look at... Uh, Heinrich and Nikki's kids, and they're so, they're so huge now. They're little ladies now. Okay, that's maybe the wrong word. They're ladies, okay. <laughs> Sounds like a line out of Madagascar 2 or something. <laughs> the hippos talking to each other. <laughs> okay, no. Um, but we forget that our growth um, as individuals and as a couple is organic. And, and it should be step by step. It's from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Sometimes it's too slow for us to see and, and we get discouraged. Um, but I just want to encourage you to, you know, these things that um, we are going to send you the notes. I, I hope we, do we have everyone's contact details, Andre, Mizen? Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll email you the, the, the slides and stuff. Um, and, and make sure you go through, especially these exercises that Heinrich and Nikki gave. And, and let's take it seriously. Let's not waste what God has done today by not revisiting it. We, we tend to forget. So let's, let's t- take the slides, go through them. Let's do the exercises. Let's have the conversations, the date nights, you know, whatever is necessary. Um, you know, we, we live in a, in a world where, where marriage is pretty much under attack. Um, and and we, marriage is, you know, the world is at least indifferent to it, at 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 worst hostile to it. Um, the devil certainly doesn't want to see our marriages flourish, uh, and and he'll bring in everything he can. So let's let's do what's needed because 
like Heinrich and Nikki were sharing in a very powerful way, in our marriages we can represent Christ like few other places. And I also just want to encourage you, um, you know, focusing on our, our marriages doesn't mean that we only have to spend time with one another. Um, I get to know Rochelle in a way, in, in community, in a way that I'll never get to know her by myself. Because Nikki can bring things out of Rochelle that I cannot. And vice versa. You, you'll never know your spouse fully unless you know her or him in community. That's why something like a small group in a church community is so important. Um, so, you know, um, just want to encourage you. Uh, you know, God wants to do amazing things in and through our marriages. Um, and thanks, you guys, for sowing some seeds and for, for giving some encouragement. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for coming and for making this investment in your marriages, may it bear much fruit, and may God bless each of your marriages. I just want to just stand up, and I want you to lay hands on one another, because I want to pray for you, and just send you. Usually we don't allow people from different genders to lay hands on one another in church, but this time we'll make an exception. You go, you're allowed to lay hands on your spouse. Let's close our eyes. Father God, Lord, I just consecrate each of these couples. We just consecrate ourselves to you, Lord. Lord, and, and together we belong to you, and individually we belong to you. And we thank you, Lord, for every seed that was sown. Thank you for the love that we have for one another. Lord, we, we repent of not always showing that love enough. Lord, um, for sometimes being unguarded in the way that we speak to one another. Um, but we, we thank you, Lord, that we can just... Lord, even as you forgive us, we can forgive one another and we can, Lord, recommit ourselves to what we committed ourselves to initially when we got married. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, for the grace of God to be upon every single marriage, Lord. The blessing of God to be upon every single marriage represented here, Lord. That there'll be a supernatural positive influence on each of our lives. That we'll experience, Lord, your love flowing through us to one another. And Holy Spirit, you using us to minister to one another. Lord, and I just pray such a joy and enjoyment upon each of these marriages, and especially upon our communication in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you as you go. Thank you for coming again.